Welcome to a beer with Sam and Peter. I'm Peter. He's Sam. Yep. I've jumped in and done the <laughs> intro right when he thought I We're like doing right when you least expected it. We're doing it in reverse. You didn't say it's episode fifty-two. That's because you just said it, and it is episode fifty-two. It's in the title. Like you had to have, you had to have said this when you clicked on it. So fifty-two is the number of the episode. Mm-hmm. There's been fifty-one of these, and this is well, no. There's been more than that, yeah, that's but. True. You know, this is, know. The, this is the 52nd numbered episode. 52 is the arbitrary number we've assigned to this audio file. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. How are you ha- going, Peter? It's um, actually been an incredibly long time since we recorded last. Yeah, it's been, I think, maybe about a month or two since we last recorded. Well, I'll tell you what, last time we, was, we were talking about whether Destiny 2 would be good or not. We, we I, now have a definitive answer to that question. It's pretty damn good. It, uh, it's It's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Hey guys, uh, Future Sam here, just giving everybody a helpful uh, little tip to all those who don't want to listen to me and Pete ramble about uh, Destiny for a considerable amount of time. Um, if you jump down into the description of this episode... There'll be a little timestamp next to our next topic, which I believe will be Django Unchained. Um, so go ahead and, and skip to that one. If you really want to skip us talking about Destiny 2. I mean, it's a game we love, but we understand that other people might not love it quite as much as we do. So, yep, just jump in that description. Find the timestamp for Django Unchained. Go to it on whatever your device listen to this podcast. And uh, you'll save yourself 15 minutes. All right, on to the podcast. Uh, it feels like it's been out for a lot longer than a month and a half, or however long it's been out for. It hasn't even been out for a month. It's only been out for yeah. three weeks. It just feels like it's been a while. I feel Maybe it feels like it's been out... Holy shit, it has been a long time. <laughs> maybe it just feels like it's been out for a long time because there's l- not that much stuff to do it. Endgame, so we kind of got yeah. we very quickly got to the point where we were just grinding the same things over and over again. Having said that, I haven't reached max level yet. Like obviously, um, like we haven't done the rage yet either, and no. it's been out for a while, um, and that'll probably help with it. We've done like the Endgame PvP content, and I've really enjoyed that. I yeah. think I can speak as an authority on Destiny PvP, and it's I much prefer. Trials of the Nine, which is the new one, then Trials of Osiris. I kind of like Trials of Osiris. Really? Trials of Osiris just seems so like... It was so much sweatier. Yeah, because because the game wasn't nearly as well balanced as I think it is right now. Yeah, that's There's a few guns that have started to stand out after this time, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was in Destiny 1 when something was was OP. Or, or, Or when something was like the meta gun to use. Yeah. Like, because when, like, there was a very clear distinction between that gun and everything else. And here, I think it's just, you can find better guns than others, but it's not like, it's not like I'm just, I'm going to despair if I'm finding someone with like an antiope. Yeah. It's far, it's far more important to uh, be like moving together as a team and team shot people than it is to have the good guns. Mm. 
because it is so much harder to be a hero, mm. I think, in the 4v4s. Yeah. To, to like... Not only because of the, the fact that, like... Yeah, people just take so much longer to kill. Yeah, people have more. He- yeah, people have more health. That's that's one thing. I think um, like it's hard. Like power weapons instead of heavy weapons, and only one person having them as well. And guns do less damage. Yeah, as well. There's a few things that just make it harder to clutch a game. Mm. Um, so teamwork's like a really big thing, which I think is kind of good. Yeah, I, I think it gives you that guy who's not he, like if you're someone who's not quite as good at PvP. You have more. You still feel like you can do more in Trials of the Nine than you could in Trials of Osiris. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely true. I I just kind of feel like it's not as much fun to play just by yourself. Mm, because like just the normal four v four. Yeah, the normal four v four. I don't think is as much fun to play as six v six in Destiny One. Mm. Just because because it's less chaotic. It's so much more punishing. If you do, if your team doesn't work well together, or I think more accurately when the other team is working really well together, yeah, like when 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 you get like into a especially like the quick quick play playlist against a team that is like all rolling together, yeah, you can really get stumped. just demoralized, yeah, and I think that they need to bring back the mercy timer. Because it's just yeah. so unfun to play a game where you're just getting absolutely stomped. Um, I think yeah. that I really, really dislike that you can't choose the mode that you play. Yeah. Like, I see why they did it, but I just... The vast majority of the time, I don't want to play friggin' Supremacy, Sam. <laughs> I hate that game mode. It's just not fun. Oh, what I've noticed... Is that uh, so? Supremacy was probably my least favorite game mode in Destiny One. Yeah, like because it was I hated Clash, and they brought in like a Clash that was more rushy. But in Destiny Two, I have found that there's much like Supremacy becomes a much more strategic game than in Destiny One. I'm not sure why. I can't like pinpoint exactly why that is. I think it might just be to do with the slower pace of the... Yeah, I think it's to do with the slower pace and the fact that there's like people are incentivized to be in teams. Yeah. That it's actually... You actually get what I think like Bungie meant to do with Destiny 1. You remember how when Supremacy came out, Bungie like built it as the competitive game mode? Like if they had if they had um mlg stuff they'd be it'd be supremacy yeah well they had a whole stream about yeah supremacy which is crazy because yeah. it, it was mo it was the most rushy least skill based yeah game type you could play in this one you actually get that whole thing of like like there's the crest and your team like plays around it and you'd like someone to run in there and like drag the crest back and and, and if you leave a crest there it kind of for, like gets everybody to converge on the one area. Yeah, exactly. I think that it, has it encourages team shots and yeah. I think that has something to do with the fact that um, I think in Destiny One, uh, the fact that like a lot of people could get shotguns, hmm. like in shotgun ammo, uh, reliably. That was a big reason why Supremacy didn't work because obviously you kill a dude like in Supremacy if you don't play Destiny, it's like a it's like a uh, dog tag thing, right? So like you kill a guy. He drops a crest and you only get the score. You're going to get the point for that kill if you pick up the crest. Yeah. Um, and if your teammate dies, you can pick up their crest first to, to deny the, the enemy team. 
So if you've got a bunch of people running around with shotguns, like there's no real crest getting thing going on. You shoot a guy with a shotgun, you're on them already, you pick up his crest, you move on. Yeah. And even if you didn't have a shotgun, in Destiny 1, I felt like there was a lot more like really quick close up, like quick kill like weapons that you could have. Yeah, hand, hand cannons and... Yeah, the last word and things. Yeah. Um, that meant that, it, yeah, you could sort of just rush. And that was like what everybody did. And when I watched, I watched all of the competitive stream when they first brought out Supremacy as well, because I, I was interested. Um, and it was just a bunch of people running around with shotguns. Mm. Because that's Why just how you played that. that yeah. 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 So I think because of that, because we don't have that anymore, it's actually a lot better. Yeah. I don't mind it now. Yeah. Honestly, really, uh, like we've said a few negative things, but I, I, I really yeah, it, love it's a, we, we kind of chose a pretty weird way to start off this podcast yeah, by ranting about Destiny 2. Ranting about some really specific things in mm. Destiny 2. Um, so anyway, we'll move we, away we, from that. We, we'll get, we might briefly get back to Destiny 2, but the at beer. the moment, what beer are we drinking, Sam? Uh, today we're drinking the uh, Cooper's, so Cooper's original parallel. It's the, it's the one with the green label. Yeah. Um, I quite like the bottle actually. It's got like a, it's got like a beer keg thing going on there. Mm. It's one point three. Cooper's original parallel, which I respect, and fermented using a unique method of top fermentation and natural bottle conditioning. Oh, no funnies on the bottle label, but you can't have everything. We're drinking it out of our uh, fun beer glasses. Like fun beer glasses. Yeah, uh, we talked about that on our live stream episode, I think. Hmm. But we have, like, engraved beer glasses now. Thank you. Uh, it's my girlfriend, Liv, for that. Yes, thank you, Olivia. Fantastic. Where, yeah. I'm drinking from Pete's beer. You're drinking from Sam's beer. It's, Which is it's how great. it should be. Yeah. Uh, be anyway. Topsy turvy later. Anyway, it, it's, it's probably the longest that we've gone without actually doing this. But cheers, Sam. Cheers, yeah. Let's try this, baby. I don't mind Cooper's. I've had it before. Yeah, same. Um, um, it's it's kind of a more lagery tasting Pale ale? Yeah. Like it I does- was thinking that. It doesn't actually really taste to me like much of a pale ale at all. No, it tastes like a lager. You know when you drink, like for me, I drink a lot of pale ales because I, I find them easier, like find it easier to drink is, like is multiple it, Is it salty and you like the taste? <laughs> it's it's fruity and I, I like the taste. It's fruity. I think most of the time, yeah. Okay. They're like a little bit fruitier. Whereas... Um, yeah, this is this is this a very a very line. like yeah. straightforward kind of pale ale. Yeah, yeah. You won't find any bullshit <laughs> notes of honey in this one. <laughs> it's good though. It is good. I think like a lot of lagers though, it's definitely something you want in a glass like this, like at the pub. It's ice cold. You, it's ice cold. Yes, and absolutely. you drink it on tap yeah. as well, and then you just you sort of sip on it. Yeah. Where's good? How have you been, Peter? Oh, mate, I've been I've been busy as so much has happened. Yeah, I've been I've been incredibly busy at work, and then last week I got sick for a week, so I was like dying from sickness. Yeah, and then you were. at the end of that week, you had to move. I moved house. I've moved out. I'm a yeah. You're a real boy. I'm living the bachelor's life. Yeah, you've got a pretty great bachelor's pad too. I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I got this. Little little townhouse. Yeah, I helped you move. Yeah, along you with a couple other people. Yep, which made it so much easier. And I was still pretty sick at the mm-hmm. time, so yep. Thank uh, you for that. Your unique group of friends. We managed to both like move effectively 
but also just completely ruin your crib in the neighborhood. I felt like immediately. <laughs> we're the kind of people like we're all, you may have chosen the three loudest people you knew to yeah. move, help you move. I and think and just, on just reflection. The, just the three people that when they're together, just make each other louder yeah, as well. That's true. Well, we compete for airtime, you know, yeah, you'll oh. understand. But yeah, we were. And you were all like four hours late as well. That happened. That happened. But hey. It was a stressful we day. Moved, we moved for we, it. We, yes. It didn't, we didn't we got there long. in the end. Yeah. Uh, and we was, all had beers at the end. That was good. Yep. It was the it didn't take too long. fridge that I had moved this year, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Always good fun. Yep. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to put this out there right now before I forget. The whole email us thing for this week is going to be someone email me, and this is this is the trick here. I want you, I want you, I want you to not Google this, all right? I want you to email me as to why you think you can't lay a fridge down flat because I know you can't. We all sort of stood around, sort of going like, like, oh, we, I know that you can't do that, but none of us can actually say why you can't do that. So email it's me with what you think. It's a thing to do with the refrigerant and how the refrigerant circuit works, I'm pretty sure. Well, don't email us with that then. Disregard a question answered. I don't maybe know. Not. Some, I, maybe I actually something don't... how it leaks. I just don't it, know. because it, like, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's something like that. Please do email yeah, us. It's the kind of thing. Speaking of which, have you checked our email, Sam? <laughs> I haven't checked it. Oh, well, I haven't checked our email since our magnificent email. Our beautiful Will. email from Rule. Yep. Um, so by the time, I made this promise last time, but by the time that you guys are able to listen to this and the episode is up, uh, which will be a Sunday, I think, uh, I will also put up the chart with all of like the beers that we've drunk oh, yeah. and everything like that, that that Will emailed us. It's fantastic. I'll put that up on Facebook. So that everyone can have a look mm. and track us. It's great. It's great. Pretty cool. Like to see a breakdown, like the percentages of um, what kind of beers we've had. Yeah. You know, we've had like 72 beers and like, I think it was something crazy. Like 40, 50% of them have been pale ales. Well, yeah, we certainly have. Because that's what we like to drink. Or that's at least what I like to drink. Have you, has what you like in a beer changed since we've been doing this? Um... Um, not really. I think it's kind of really cemented what I actually do like. Yeah. Which is the like pale alley type. Yeah. Because I really had no idea about beer. So for me, it's been like, um, it's been mean like discovering what I like. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe it's been a bit more of that as well. I certainly know a lot more different beers now. Um, all right. So what have we got? If we get another email from Will. Uh, in Will, no. What's the top here? I think he has two or something. All right. Uh, we did get a follow-up email from Will, at least. Uh, talking about something to do with our, with our glasses, but also... We should have done this at the end. Telling mean old Pete uh, to be less harsh on Baby Driver. Uh, as it's Will's favorite movie of the year. Definitely watch it. So maybe I will have to watch it. Maybe you've just been a Grinch about this this whole time. Maybe I have. I'm like that sometimes. You have to find out. Anyway, thank you, Will. Yes, thank you, Will, for emailing us. Yeah, it's awesome. You're a gentleman yeah. and a scholar. Apart from that, we've got many emails from my good friend Google. <laughs> <laughs> what does Google have to say, Sam? There are many correspondents. They write to me. I don't really write back too much. Uh, What's Google got to say this time? I mean, I'm gonna know, I don't know. It's thanking, thanking us for its service, I guess. 
make us know about deals and things. Sam got a new this device. This kind of captivize, captivating new podcast from Chrome material. On Windows. Yep, you never know with these people. Anyway, but we, yeah, should, we um, should get into talking about like. No, well, before we do, I'll talk about what it's like to to live by myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, please do. Tell you what, man, for something that's like one of those big life milestoney type things, it's I, not that different. It's not. Ah, uh, I don't know. It's not that different, but it's still pretty different. You know. Yeah. Someone told me it was like it was like camping, but all the time for them that for is, ages. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it because it's it's just so weird to come home and then not to be anybody in the house. Yeah, because Bruce gets home like two hours after I do. Yeah, Bruce is um is my roommate. It's roommate. Yeah, I have a roommate now, Sam. I yeah. don't have family. I've got a roommate. You it's got a just... roommate. And let me say without without plugging any like just it's a small plug, but a, a sensational uh like fusion like what is it it's like Thai. Thai fusion restaurant? Yeah. Yeah, it's called like Mon's Thai or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Free plug to Mon's Thai. Yeah. Have anyway, you, I, like, you I felt, like living where I live now. Have you felt vulnerable? In what way? Well, I know that like a lot of people when they move out, like sleep with a like a baseball bat or whatever for like, the first couple nah, of weeks. You know what nah, I mean? I'll leave all the doors open. Nobody's going to get me. Yeah. I'll be right. Leave all the doors open. No sheets, totally naked, <laughs> completely vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, intimidate them with my confidence. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't yeah. Met, I haven't really met the neighbours yet. I feel like you should probably go go do that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm in two minds about meeting. Is the it the neighbors. kind of thing that I don't know? It's weird because I'm in this like complexy thing of townhouses. You're, you're in like what is essentially. It looks. It feels very much like a retirement village. If I had to describe how it looks. Yeah. It's that kind of, like... It's all, like, red brick. Yeah, and, and, and there's, like, hedged off and little gardens out, like, little sort of garden strips out the front of, of people's places. It's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. You got a two... Like, you got an ensuite? Yes, I do. Yeah. Pretty pretty fantastic. Pretty nice. Yeah. And a walk-in robe with mm-hmm. a light that doesn't work. But who wants and to I'm see? paying rent. Who wants to see themselves in the morning? You know, you want that light off. <laughs> well, I, I need it because I can't actually see into my wardrobe without it. <laughs> That's why you can turn out the things with just like your shirt's on the wrong way, the tires. <laughs> I don't have a mirror. Oh. oh no, I do have a mirror. Anyway, well, you've done something that I have not done yet. Um, I, Are you uh, jealous? I'm. I'm not jealous. I. You sound jealous. I'm proud of you. You know. It's a big thing. You're paying rent now. You got your big boy pants. Yeah, on. I know. I'm. Yeah, I'm about to have a lot of money come out of my account. Yeah. If you accidentally leave all the lights on in your house, there's actually real conse- consequences to you. Yeah. For doing that. Yeah. Stuff like that. I had people over the other day, and I got really angry at them for putting their f- their feet on the brand new couch. I I I, think I, I remember I, you doing that to me. Yeah. You've got. <laughs> a, you've got. This is the this is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. He, he's got a a nice couch. With a chaise lounge. Now look that up if you don't know what a chaise lounge is. But a chaise lounge is like essentially a long piece of couch that's attached to the end of the couch where like you're meant to lie on it. Like it's long enough that you're meant to lie on it with your legs. That's all I was doing. My feet were on the chaise lounge part, the lounge part. The lounge. Or the chaise. I think the lounge is the lounge. 
It's a, it's a chaise lounge, so, not a lounge. I'm pretty sure it's... A, I've been saying chaise lounge for a long time, but it could totally be a champagne quiche kind of thing. Champagne. <laughs> champagne. <laughs> quiche is always my favourite one to mispronounce because it also sounds a little bit risque. <laughs> oh, we're all on. So you had your feet on the chaise, chaise lounge. Mm-hmm. And I got severely reprimanded. You did. My Peter. It's a brand new lounge. Uh, it's it's a bit, actually. <laughs> it, it, it is well, I really great. remember. So we were unpacking the couch, and um, I pointed to a box, and with like a bunch of like felt material, and I was like, "Pete, what is that?" To the lounge, and he was like, "Oh, it's the couch skin." <laughs> I think it's the couch skin. <laughs> because- yeah, I, I couldn't remember the word cover. <laughs> it's the couch skin. <laughs> oh, I just had an image of like the couch opening its mouth and swallowing me. I'm gonna call it couch skin for the rest of my life. I mean, that totally like it makes it makes sense. I just <laughs> I say couch skin. You know what I mean? It's so gruesome. It's just the image. Don't like get the couch skin couch. dirty. Yep, don't get the couch skin dirty. Jesus. Anyway, we should get into talking about like movies or something. Yeah, something. What, what are we even doing? What are we even doing? This podcast has been so long. We just rambled on and on. Random and ram. Do you even remember what the homework movie was? I sure do, yeah. Samuel. I believe it was Django. It was Unchained. Django Unchained. I think that's how you said it. I'm it pretty is. sure Django. Yep, scientifically. Yep. Quentin Tarantino movie. Yep. If you haven't seen Django Unchained, I think it's like a weird one to describe to people. Mm. You know, because you don't really get the tone of it. Um, Django Unchained is a fairly simple story on paper about a um, black slave. Yep. Who, oh, I can't remember exactly how, called, called Django, who is, is he freed or is he run away? Yeah, or? no, he gets freed. Freed, well, so okay, so he, him, and his wife run away. Yeah. Um, and he, Brunhilde. Yes, Brunhilde, his that wife. Name. Um, uh, they run away, and he, and then they get captured again, and he gets sold, and sort of while he's getting sold and taken somewhere else, yeah, to a slave market or something. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? The the dentist. Um, yeah, Doctor Schultz. <laughs> Uh, he he basically frees him. Yep, and um, takes him to like sort of takes him under his wing. And his wing as, has a bounty on here. Doctor yep. Schultz, who was previously a dentist, a German dentist, mm. is now a very quirky bounty hunter. Yeah, who I just I really love him in every scene. There's like a Christopher weird. Waltz is yeah, just, Christopher Waltz just, is great. He's excellent in everything. Yeah, he's in. in very different ways. Like I, I loved him in this, and the the way he like talks, um, there's something really like pleasant. Yeah. About it, like you could just listen to him talk about anything, and I think that's what a lot of his scenes are almost based on is this idea that you can listen to him talk about anything because he really does just have a few monologues, like yeah. an extended dialogue, which are really not uh, not about anything, but a, no. It, it, they're, they're, very, they're a very quintessential Quentin Tarantino thing of these, uh, like, character conversations that really convey a lot about and give a lot of, sort of, character to yeah. these characters without yeah. being really, uh, like, heavy-handed about it. Yeah. So... Conversations so, about nothing is, yeah, like, exactly. is, like, a real... 
uh, hallmark, I think, of watching a Tarantino movie. And it's, it's really what, I lo- what I love the most about his movies are, yeah. like, it's not the, like, senseless violence and sex and stuff. It's the it's the dialogue, which is something that he does so well. And it, it like, really gives his characters weight and they yeah. feel like real people. Because it... I mean, like, that's like, what people do a lot. They just talk about random shit. Our entire podcast is built on the fact that we talk about random shit yeah and people like to listen to people talk about random shit we hope. like like pulp fiction the the characters of um vince and um oh yeah the two assassins samuel the jackson two, when uh, they had that conversation about the royale with cheese yeah that's fan- that's the thing that everybody remembers yeah it's just them like talking smack it's a chance to really like see the inner monologue of a character um but also it's just fun to watch yeah you know uh, and there's definitely a lot of this from Christopher Waltz. It, it just ma- Christoph. mainly from Chris- Christoph Waltz, sorry, because um, Jamie Foxx's Django is like fairly mute throughout the movie. He's just like got a whole like a pent up anger yeah. thing going yeah, on. Christoph Waltz definitely carries a lot of the sort of dramatic weight, yeah. I suppose. And it's funny. It's like it's it's a very difficult movie, Django Unchained, to to like. Uh, to classify, to put into like a genre because it's nowhere near like The Help or like anything like that, right? Like it's not a really, really... I mean, it's a Western. Yeah, it's a Western. It's not like a really serious historical like take on slavery, Um, although it does have like some messages about it and and obviously it sort of, it, it, it sort of shows you the, the real evils of slavery and that kind of thing. In the South. But it's also kind of really funny. Yeah. In parts. Yeah. It's like kind of spaghetti western in that way. It's a weird just merge of like 12 Years a Slave and <laughs> and like a spaghetti western, like Magnificent Seven or something. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, it's far, far more of a spaghetti western. Yeah. I, I think I remember at the time there being like a small amount of controversy about it because people would, I think... I can't, I can't remember exactly, but I think people were getting sort of annoyed, like outraged about, they, they, they thought that um, the movie made light of slavery, but I don't think that's necessarily I, I think, true. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there's, it's there's, a, a, there's a lot of using the N-word, and yeah. um, one of the things that I think was a big controversy was um, the Mandingo fighting thing. And it, the movie kind of mm. makes it seem like that was really prevalent in the South, whereas I don't think there's actually that much historical evidence to show that it was a massive thing. Yeah. Certainly it happened, but mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much about it, like that t- point in time, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so no, neither do I. I really liked um, Samuel Jackson's character in this. Samuel Jackson plays... Um, the uh, Samuel uh, is that his name? Sam yeah, Samuel Jackson. No, 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 the the. Oh, his character? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, you don't you get to hear his name very often. But he, he, yeah, you do hear his name though. He is the um. He's got a name to it, but like the enforcer or like the master of the he, house. He's like he's like the head slave. Yeah, and he is like supremely racist, like against his own people he's like one of those he's like one of those guys who's been like whose way of 
getting out of this like whole thing is to sort of like go with it to mm. to to he like idealizes um his his owner and totally like takes on board like gets on board with the whole like um Stephen was his name yeah the whole like dehumanization of like black people he like believe yeah, he, he, he like believes that he is a subhuman yeah kind of it's thing. it's one of those like uh things that get that gets perpetuated in uh, groups that are downtrodden and discriminated. Yeah, against, I mean that's where you get it, you get them to hate each other. Of, yeah, it's sort of like a like a continuous sort of cycle. Is yeah, if all these people are keeping each other down and the people in charge are also keeping them down, maybe then, they won't realize that there's yeah thirty exactly. black people on the plantation. There's only like three white people living there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's important so that they never sort of figure that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was just a good character and one you don't see a whole lot of in, in movies set in that time, Mm. but he played that really, really well. Like just full bore as like, I think everybody thinks, um, of, uh, oh Jesus, I've forgotten, I've forgotten bloody Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thinks of Leonardo DiCaprio. Calvin Candy. Like his performance in that, like his crazy over-the-top commitment to his uh, his character, who's just, like, just a massive racist, especially his thing. And his big monologue with, with Broomhilda, like, has become sort of a bit of film legend, you know, where he um, he's he was meant to make this big monologue about, like, he got, like, this, like, a skull out to show that, like, black people are inferior physiologically or something like that. I can't remember exactly his, like, rant. Um and he like gets really, he got really animated while doing that scene and smashed his hand on the ta- smashed his hand on the table and he smashed a glass and cut his hand, uh, which was not intended. But he sort of rolled with the scene and like went really into it. Like so, the actress playing Broomhilda looks really freaked out in that scene. That's because she's genuinely freaked out because like Leonardo DiCaprio is just smearing his own real blood on her face to get that reaction. It's it's one of those things where I I think like no, actors are crazy, man. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that, like, I, I don't know actually how this went, but for the for, like the rest of the time that he's on screen, he's now got a bandage over his hand mm. because of that change that continuity. Yeah, yeah. But like everyone remembers that performance, but I think an equally sort of like I don't know edgy or whatever you want to call it, like performance. Yeah, you're not you're not you're not talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino's performance as an Australian <laughs> minor, are you? Which made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> no sense at all. I understand no, that he wants to like. He wants to <laughs> cameo and everything, but oh, he's just a random like poor, like weirdly, like weirdly Australian miner. Yeah, in one scene, then he dies. Just odd. Just the yeah. worst Australian accident as well. Yeah. Anyway, who who are you, who are you actually talking? I was about? talking about Samuel Jackson. Yeah, I thought that like he like really lent into that role and got really mean because his character is almost like the most cruel. Hmm. I would say, like Leonardo DiCaprio is like more f- like fanatical. He's, he's certainly very, cruel. He's certainly very cruel, but you kind of expect it from him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, I just really liked his performance in that. I thought he did a really good job. I also, I also just really like Jamie Fox. I don't really as a person. I don't know about his acting. Per se. I don't know. I feel like he's just. He's in some good movies. Yeah. He's in a lot of bad ones, as he will tell you himself. Yeah. Like, if you watch him in interviews, he's really candid about that. He's, um, 
he's in some good movies, but I just never think that he's. I don't think I've ever thought that he's the best thing in a in the movie that he's been in. If you get what I mean. Yeah, he's a bit of a. Sorry, I've just found some like floaties in my beer. <laughs> a lot of floaties. Um. Yeah, Jamie Foxx is like one of those all rounders that's kind of shit at everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he's like okay, no, no, he's he's the, like the Shane Watson of acting. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he's like plausible. He's like kind of like okay at everything, right? Like he's an okay singer. He's an okay actor. I think he can dance fairly well. It's like that kind of thing. But I like him as a person. You should watch some of his interviews because, like, he has gotten to where he was like by design. He was originally an actor. Yeah. But as he will say in like many interviews, like there's one where he's talking about when he met Kanye. Hmm. And basically he's like a guy who knows people like, like, like a, like a Wahlberg, right? Like, like a Marky Mark. He just knows people in Hollywood. And if, the, if there's a party, it'll probably be at Jamie Foxx's place. Right. Um, and he used to, he built, he like wanted to get into the music industry. So he built a recording studio underneath his house. As you do. And then invited all these musicians to his place so that when they, like, because he worked out when you go to parties with these people, like famous people parties, and you suggest that you should record with them, they always, like, out of courtesy say yes, but, they, <laughs> but they're never, like, available or they can never book a studio. Yeah. So he would get them to say, like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he'd be like, right, well... I've got a studio recording studio right now. <laughs> Let's go. Let's yeah. do it right now. And that's how he would do it. So, like, he got his big break when, like, Kanye West came to his house party and he had no idea who he was. And, um, like, he had a conversation. And he's like, I, 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 I would really like to make this song, like, record this song for you. I think it would be really good for your voice. So, Jamie Foxx, like, went downstairs and got the lines and then sung it like he usually sings it. He's kind of like a R&B kind of singer. Yeah. And he, he sort of did a really good job. And then Kanye West just sort of like stood there and we're like, don't do that. <laughs> it's like, what? Don't, don't sing it like that. Just, just, just do it how I, how I wrote it. And then he performed that. And that's how we sort of got into singing. He's still kind of like a, yeah, kind of a passable which, singer. At which that. was that? Which song was that for? Was that for Gold Digger? Uh, I think so. I can't remember. I honestly, I don't really know too much of JB Fox's music. But you do know that that story. I know that story. I saw it like an interview somewhere. Yeah. And he said like, so what I did was to pass the time. I went and got some money. So I went and did a couple of bad movies, and then uh, did some more recording. Like that's how he describes it. I went and did a couple of bad movies. <laughs> he's like Just Nicholas. As you do. Yeah, he's like Nicholas Cage again. He's very aware <laughs> that they're but bad. He, but he's he can he can work. Yeah, he, he can do movies like yeah. He, that's, he, that's can how just, he, he can just do movies. Yeah, because he's very much the same character in like yeah. everything he plays. Yeah, he's great in horrible bosses. He is great in horrible bosses. That's true. He has that sort of like. I think he's got really great comedic timing. Yeah, he's yeah. certainly a good impersonator as well. Like he can sort of like so if you give him like a role, like the hitman in Horrible Bosses, he can really sort of like overact it really really well what else has he job. been in he's in like a bunch of stuff he's in baby driver yeah he is he's apparently over- i should see that yeah apparently you should see that i don't know he's in a bunch of stuff i don't know 
He was all right in this. It's really hard to gauge whether Jamie Foxx did a good job in this movie because I think... There's so many other outstanding performances yeah. around him. Jamie... Like, like Django, I think, probably has, like, some of the, like, the, the smallest set of dialogue like, yeah. of anybody in the movie, despite Certainly being the main for, character. Yeah, that's and, for sure. And I think he more sort of Tom Cruise's this one, where he's just sort of like the vanilla, like, guy to just experience... Mm. the movie yeah and experience all these eccentric fantastic characters yeah and to just sort of like have a serious face and then shoot Mm. a bunch of people in the end yeah it gets real bloody it gets so bloody I forgot how bloody it is very stylized though yeah like you see a guy I think it's sort of a like paying homage to when that was a real thing but like you know there's that scene where he's having the he's having the big shootout in the slave owner's house yeah and there's like one of the last that that one dude that he keeps shooting (laughs) no but like, oh, and there's another thing. How many like, how many like, white hate dudes can you like just can that can like Leonardo DiCaprio just call on short notice because they just kept coming through the door. <laughs> but like one of the dudes comes through the door and he gets shot and he gets like pulled back by on like a wire through the door and it's really obvious that he does that. Like Jamie Fox like pulls well, it no, out. That, like, that's pulls what he does trigger. to to uh, Calvin's sister. Yeah, but there's also some random guy that oh, gets done to. I think. But you know, but the sister as well, yeah, right? Like he pulls out the gun, fires, and it's not even in the same direction as where they get pulled. Yeah, and then just sort of get yanked back. I'm just like fly back. Yeah, well, it's it has a bunch of those like homage things to other movies because it is actually it's a sequel to um like there has been other Django movies like that like Django was uh, like the the original Django. He's actually in the movie. He's one of the other slave owners. He's the other slave owner when they have their... When they first meet Calvin in... And there's the two dudes fighting. Really? Yeah. Um, so, oh. yeah, it was like... Yeah, Jan- I didn't know that. There, there, there are like four other Django movies. Nothing to do with this. Completely different stories. Holy shit. But, yeah, there are, there are four other Django movies. Okay. Wow, I should have really known this before we did it as a homework movie. Yeah. It never came up. No, I I, well, I, I mean, it's completely disconnected from them. I but... read the IMDb page, like, sort of, and, and, and did all that. It didn't come up. Yeah. Is it relevant at all? No. No, okay. Just but interesting. Just, a, just an interesting sort of thing that it's yeah. one of those. Like, with a lot of these Western movies, there's heaps and heaps of sequels to, like, it, it's sort of a tradition to have yeah. these sort of connections. Well, like Magnificent Seven or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It, none of them have anything to do with each other. Like, there was, there was a Django movie released in the 2000s. Really? Okay. Yeah. I just think. didn't get the press because it's, I mean, it's not a Tarantino yeah. thing. Yeah. What do you, where does this rank for you in Tarantino movies? Right up there. Right up there? I think... I think... Pulp Fiction's probably my favourite. Yeah. Re- then Reservoir Dogs... Mm-hmm. Then probably this. Wow. Um. Yeah, those would be my top three Tarantino. I and then yeah, I, and then the others are kind of all pretty the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, pretty, I, that's I think, pretty. I think wild. Jackie Brown. I didn't like all that. Much. I didn't think it was that great. I didn't like that either. Um. Kill Bill One. I didn't like. Think was all that good because yeah. it doesn't have much of that dialogue. It's just kind of bloody action movie i think kill bill kill, for me is kill just... bill volume two i thought there was some good bits in it like yeah. the, the sort of monologues at the end with bill and the bride are quite good well the thing with kill bill is like i think that's the most like fan-y 
Quentin Tarantino has been like, he is a movie fan. Yeah. And Absolutely. most of his movies are like tributes to genres or like particular movies and stuff like that. And Kill Bill is just a tribute to a whole genre of movies that I just don't watch. Mm. Like there's kind of like more like Kung Fu action movies. I just don't watch them at all. Yeah. Um, so I can understand why someone like, I th- I know that Chris, our mate, like is a fan of Kill Bill, but he's like a big fan of Neo, of Neo, of the Matrix and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and just knows about that kind of genre. Where would you rate? What was the? What oh, so was the, yeah, the I, I would. One? I would not go at all. Like, so hateful eight's my favorite, and then it would go. Uh, yeah, probably go hateful eight, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and this movie. Probably how I would rate them. Yeah, and then Kill Bill somewhere down the bottom. Yeah, I really liked hateful eight. I thought it was. That one was like a cross between Western and like Who Done It. Yeah, I, I thought quite it, liked I thought it. it was too violent. Really? Yeah, because I didn't find Hateful Eight. That was the big debate that was going on. Like Hateful Eight was violent. I I thought it was probably one of the least violent. No, Tarantino no way. Seen. It's so violent. I really don't. I didn't think it was the case. Like it's so much. It's very gory. But there's a, there's so much just conversation and like wide shots and. Just like tense dialogue. And then there's a few, and like at the very end of the movie, there's a few scenes that are massively violent. That's what Django's like though. And that's it. Yeah, Django's that's, that's not, not really like really violent until yeah. the end. I think the thing with Tarantino movies is like, it's very much a start, like stylized violence. Yeah. Like, like you, you are meant to see the fact that it's like a blood pack kind of like, like squirty machine pulling back on a wire kind of fight scene. Yeah. It's, you're meant to see that. So in that way, it's kind of like stage violence and I don't really get, I don't really see it as gory. You know? I don't know. I just kind of, when I was watching Hateful Eight, I just kind of, I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the cinemas, but I definitely thought when I saw it that, um, that it was? That it was. Like, that's the one sort of lasting impression I have, is that that's it just, was just a bit too violent. It's a real shame, and I think. The and the violence, I think, took away from the movie, whereas mm-hmm. I don't really think it does in, in his other films. Where would you rate... Actually, where, sorry, this is the one movie I forgot to mention. Where would you rate Inglourious Bastards? Oh, I'd probably put that after Hate Flight. Yeah? Yeah, I totally forgot about that movie. I, put, well, I forgot it was a Tarantino movie. I don't know. It's so hard to rank Tarantino movies. Definitely there are some that are, like, worse. Like, yeah, but that's... I mean, but, but there's only, like, a couple, and they're all pretty good. Yeah. Like, Jackie Brown and From Dusk Till Dawn, that's that's a Tarantino movie oh as well. Oh, my God. That's one you forget about. I really like From Dusk... Mate, you're going to have to... I'm going to have to keep... Revi- like, okay, then I would probably go Hateful Eight, Inglorious Bastards, Dusk Till Dawn... Uh, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. It's such a weird movie because it was like half directed by him. Yeah, yeah. It, it was weird, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I like that kind of thing. I don't know. I think it's a real shame that you thought that about Hateful Eight because I really liked the experience going to the movie. I, that's a movie I Maybe should I see should, again. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Because it was, it, But there's something... like it's, it's a movie that you lose something on the second viewing though because it's you, you don't know who did it. Yeah. Like... And I really enjoyed the interactions. And you have no idea really who's with who. 
why everybody. I thought here. I thought Sam, there was there were some characters that I wanted to like, but then just really didn't. Yeah. As well, I found I, what I found really satisfying about Hateful Eight is that I I really like that genre of not necessarily even who done it, but that kind of like closed room drama type. Like thing. yeah, like and like a plot that you work out at the end. Like, you don't see sort of the inner workings of it until the end. Like an Oceans kind of thing, right? Mm. But, like, and what I liked about this movie is that, uh, unlike a lot in that kind of vein, it really made sense. I, like, all of the... When I when I got to explain to you at the end, all of the characters' motivations and what they had done throughout the movie made sense. In Hateful Eight. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in those sort of twist-type movies, um, the person who turned out to be the, the bad guy... When you think you start to think back about some of their decisions, and most of the time they make one or two decisions like that are just make no sense for their character. They only happen because it's a movie, and they wanted to trick you. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense why they would have done something like that. And what I like about it, like that movie, is that there's none of that. Mm-hmm. I feel satisfied. I need to watch that movie again. I think. Yeah, I think I think I should watch it again too. But I think yeah, you definitely should. Yeah, gore's not a thing for me, man. I like I don't know, it didn't didn't affect me. Yeah. Too much. I'm a big fan of alien movies and I've been watching them since I was way too young. Yeah. Um, anyway, trying to like... Yeah, yeah. So we've been rambling on for too long. We've yeah. So much to talk about. I, um, I, th- I think at the end of the day though, like all Quentin Tarantino movies, they are very well made. Yeah. You should definitely go see Bojack Horseman if you... Yeah. Uh, not Bojack Horseman. Bloody Django Unchained. <laughs> uh, if you if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I would... It, Recommending Quentin Tarantino, like I definitely would never recommend any Quentin Tarantino movie for everyone. I know there's a big section of the population that like, like his movies are violent and just sort of like coarse. And for people who don't enjoy that kind of thing, I wouldn't recommend. Are, are there it. are there any of his movies that you reckon you could recommend to anybody? To everybody, I think you could. Closest probably Pulp Fiction. Yeah, or maybe Reservoir Dogs. Actually, yeah. probably Pulp Fiction and then Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Just because Reservoir else, Dogs is a bit more violent. Yeah, I would recommend Django Unchained with just a warning label, like, not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It's pretty violent at the end, and they're dealing with some pretty full-on things. Yes. Do I think it's a good movie? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to the thing that I quickly, uh, that I had a bit of a slip of a tongue about. Yeah, we're, we're rapid fire it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of wrapping up now, but... Um, just wanted to talk about uh, Bojack Horseman. Season 4 has come out on Netflix. And surprise, surprise, it's excellent. <laughs> Peter thinks so. It's one of those shows that, as I've like evangelized on the show on this podcast before, yeah, it's one of those shows that is just for a dumb, silly cartoon about anthropomorphic humans. <laughs> yeah, a- a- anthropomorphic like animal humans, <laughs> starring a human horse. Yeah, it, they, it, it, like it has to add type. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it it has such emotional depth and deals with such uh such uh, like deep issues that uh, sort of a dumb cartoon really has no right almost to to deal with yeah um and season four has just come out and this season kind of deals with new things um sort of crazily finds new ground to cover in the show it very much deals with Bojack and his parents and sort of his upbringing and how that shaped his life. Mm. And um, 
some other like quite interesting things um like like todd is asexual and what that kind of means to yeah who's, who's one of the characters and what that kind of means to the show and it just deals with all these things in such an incredible way there's this one episode which is um the sort of gimmick of the episode is it's like it, it's all it's this episode entirely focused on bojack um just sort of him going day to day and it really tries to get into the mind of what it's like to be depressed yeah and so it has like all these kind of intercuts with this inner monologue of him like talking to him like his inner monologue going oh what did you suggest that for you're such an idiot you're such a failure what are you doing this for blah 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 yeah, you're, you're yeah. never gonna amount to anything and this just constant like this constant struggle of what it kind of like what it's like to to walk around and have like severe depression and it it really highlights that what the strength of the show is which is dealing with like mental illness and all all these pretty heavy topics yeah but in like the the cartoony way one question i did have because i i actually for some reason i'm really sad despite the fact that for some reason i just can't watch the show like i it it really does nothing for me but the the tough thing about Roger Horseman is the first sort of Four episodes are quite bad. Yeah. Okay. It takes a while to get into. I, I will do it at some stage. If nothing else, just because, you know, you like it a lot. And I should, I feel like I should watch it. At this point, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I have well, a question for that. Like, I think my biggest one, like, wonder with this show is, like, do the, do the characters ever have a healthy change? Like, does Bojack Horseman ever like do you see if you got a show dealing with mental illness i feel like the thing that the most of them fail to do is at the end sort of show you could do that with the end of monologue or whatever show um how people cope with that kind of thing because if you've ever dealt with mental illness it's something where unfortunately you learn or you're told that um you it's about this is now just you you will work this way now and what the only thing that you can do about it is come up with strategies and ways to recognize that's how you work and to deal with it. You know, I, you'll never, that's the thing with mental illness compared to being sick in any other way, right? You're not looking for a cure. Unfortunately, whatever's happened to you, brain chemistry wise, that's sort of permanent. Mm. And now you've got to work out how to, to deal with it. Yeah. So what I'd like from a show that deals with mental illness is then to have a monologue, like to see them, like what they, how they cope. Maybe, maybe because it, you know, I, I, from what I understand, like some, like Bojack Horseman in past is still meant to be kind of funny. Like maybe you need to have him sort of be still kind of like off it's, the rails a bit, but maybe have a different character that, have no, a change. Well, yes, there is a lot of, there is a lot of character development yeah. across the four seasons. There is a, there is a lot of character development and, it isn't just the sort of movie TV show thing of these are problems that could just be fixed. Yeah. Like it's a lot of these characters that sort of like they, they have emotional development and character development and stuff, but it's, it's not the kind of like movie Hollywood thing where just, Oh, they, they do this one thing and then suddenly they're better for the rest of their lives and it's all happy and, and stuff like, 
Obviously, in real life, it's not quite that easy, and in the show, it's not really that way either. But there is, there is, it is. Is there, there like, is management? There is management. Yeah. yeah, because that's that. I mean, I don't know. I think like when you hear people, I'm thinking of now the accountant, which we'll talk about sometime later. But like when you hear people say that they made a movie or a TV show because they wanted to share their own experiences with something like a mental illness. And to show other people who are going through it that there are, you know, that you're not alone, which is good. But I think the bit that they always leave out is that whole, like, like, you're not alone and I now live a, you know, like, I now live a fairly successful life or like, I manage this okay. I I can be, I'm happy occasionally yeah. now, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and and yes, there, there's, like yeah, there's, there's, there's bits of that. But also, there's there is a fair amount of tragedy in in the show. Yeah, as with a good show. This this season especially, there's there's one arc that is just like emotionally devastating. Yeah, it's you, a, like you... I don't know. I, I I really like to be emotionally devastated in the TV shows that I <laughs> yeah. like. Me too. Me too. Like, sure. I don't know what that says about me, but yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the best shows are ones that make you really like. I don't know. I, I like to have a good... I like to get te- teared up and like really feel for characters and just be yeah. able to be really, really invested and feel that anguish um, that these characters are, are going through and the kind of devastation and just be able to go... Like when the episode's over, just go like, holy shit, this cartoon about a horse and a cat and a human <laughs> that are all friends together. Yeah. That made me feel have this really deep emotional response. Yeah, and um, I mean, this is this is the show that does it consistently, season after season, and in such an incredible way. And just if you haven't seen it, you yeah, like really and truly, it's very very good. I'll make a conscious effort to power through. Yeah. I think yeah. because those kind of shows can be hugely like. Uh, hugely impactful for people I think to watch as well I remember I, I, like, I'm reminded of the first three seasons not the fourth season of Rake yeah because I remember connecting to that show and then having a positive change um, myself from watching the show just and then they sort of ruined it in season four a little bit but you saw that character sort of achieve stability mm. right by the end of the show like um and you know for me i, I guess i got in, more into rake because a, it's australian like it's australian it's funny really really funny um but also the main character's specific problem that he deals with is uh i'm sure there's a word for this i probably should know it but um like self-destruction right like the impulse to like even if you you, you know the right thing to do and then you did the opposite because I struggled with that myself. And then to see him be like, come, come to achieve this, normality. Like, yeah. 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 Normality achieved was really, was really good. Oh, I wish they ruined it. <laughs> and then they ruined it season, season four. four. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right. I'll try and power through with yeah. that course. I, uh, I really think you should. Cause it's, it's pretty good yeah and we, we've talked a bit for a bit longer than than i thought we were going to a little that. bit we're kind of yeah. we're kind of straight on there yeah. we've got a few minutes um in yeah. that few minutes i just want to also uh announce yeah, so that. we'll wrap up now yeah if you've forgotten about survivor like if you thought we've forgotten about survivor we haven't survivor i actually watch. binge watched like three episodes of survivor catch up today 
with Liv and I've had a great time. It's fantastic. Season two is fantastic. It's gone from being like the shittiest season of Survivor as like a whole thing I've ever seen, right? To be ashamed to be Australian, <laughs> you know, like to now like this season of Australian Survivor is one of the best seasons I've ever watched out of like the 50 that I that we have. Yeah here in this house on DVD. <laughs> um, it's really, really good. And we're down to the, like the last seven people, I think. Um, and when that finally ends, we will have a podcast about it. We'll do a whole thing. We'll get in it. My, my good mate, Ber- like our good mate, Berkelman's to come talk about it because he's a crazy survivor head. We'll get living to talk about it and we'll do the whole thing. So we haven't forgotten about it, but it's just something that it turns out both me and Pete can't talk about together with much... Yeah, well, because I, I haven't watched... I've watched one episode, it, like, in the middle yeah. of the season. Oh, God. <laughs> As is your want. <laughs> yeah, I just um, don't have the time. Yeah. So, we'll, 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 we'll get in on this. We'll really devote some I, time. I, I'll, I, I'll drag, like, dust off that whole terrible musical intro we did. <laughs> and we'll do another Survivor Watch. Yeah, the most production effort we've ever put into this podcast. Yeah. It's just so sad <laughs> when, you, when you say it like that. Uh, yeah but anyway, anyway. Uh, I think we might leave it there yeah so as homework always movie? and we'll do the homework movie <laughs> with, damn it <laughs> uh, I was going to mention the homework movie but you ruined my flow the again. magic of editing anyway the homework movie that we're doing is uh, Children of Men yes which is uh, directed by the dude who directed Gravity yeah which is, both of them just came out on Netflix yeah so I wonder whether um, that's been that's like because they Gravity made a deal. and um uh, what's that movie I watched before? The emotional one with Brad Pitt in it. I don't know. I'm not you. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he's emotional Brad, movie with Brad Pitt. Did a movie like, with with Brad Pitt and the Life Tree one, one that like tries to have a huge statement about life and then kind of fucks it all up. No spoilers for that one. <laughs> um, um, Benjamin Button. No, 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 no. The, it's got Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt in it. Uh, hesitate. Not <laughs> it's definitely not Benjamin Button. Uh, um, fuck out of that. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Children of Men, which is watch it. Yeah, great. Incredible movie. Yep. Has has one of the best. It, like, I, I'm a real sucker for uh, like really, really long one shot scenes. Mm. Um, he also directed Birdman, by the way. Ah, great um, movie. Which great is movie. An, yeah, a movie that's entirely one shot. When that comes out on Netflix, we'll um, talk about it. Yeah, it, it, this it like this movie has this really uh, a few really incredible, really long extended like ten minute long take mm. scenes, and I, I'm a real sucker for that. I think they're really cool. I really love Children of Men. I, I it's one of those movies where I sit there and fuck, I feel I can't relax. I feel threatened mm. at all times. Like I have something. It really gets you to be invested straight away, and it also never gives you the feel. Never gives you any feeling of security like mm. like these characters even though it's Clive Owen they're, they're never ever going to be okay any of them could die at any time yeah exactly and it's it's great yeah it's so be, go watch that it's, go. Very, it's, it's got a very similar vibe to Last of Us the video game oh okay still need to play that yeah you do anyway anyway yeah uh, right. thank you for listening find us on Facebook facebook.com slash beer with Sam and Peter yeah, or can I even remember how to wrap us up who knows I don't know it's been so long guys yeah. we, we've been a bit rambly but you know what that's that's us trying to get that's that episode is over Peter's walking out of the room we'll see you next week we're getting back into it I swear.